What's up? Welcome to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. I'm Jamie Dodd. My co-host is Canucks insider Thomas Drance, who also covers the team for the Athletic Canucks Talk, brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. We are live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Jance, what's going on, man? Oh, not much. Turn that mic. Yep, on. there we go. Yeah, nailed it. Um, big experienced broadcaster over here. What do you think of the game last night? Um, so I thought they were really good in the first period. I thought they looked way better and way faster than the Pittsburgh Penguins. Me in too, particular. And then I don't think they played very well <laughs> after that. And there was a lot of sloppiness, and they weren't very sharp, and they just didn't look. They didn't look way better and way faster uh, than the Pittsburgh Penguins. Not by the third period. That. No. Now, I will say... I thought they played 38 minutes of, like, <laughs> pretty complete hockey in the first 40, but those those 38 minutes were also punctuated. Those first two periods were punctuated by some really glaring errors mm-hmm. and some really undisciplined penalties. I think I'm probably much less concerned about last night than a lot of people in this market because... They didn't play particularly well in that game. But I think what we're seeing here, and where this is a new experience, at least in the last several years, uh, for people following the Canucks, is they're not one of the desperate, kind of on the fringes playoff right. team that's fighting for their playoff lives right now and desperately needs to take home points in every game. They're locked into the playoffs. Are there still things for them to play for? Yes, there are. There's the division, there's the conference, there's playoff seating, who you want to face, all of that. But the stakes are so much lower for them than they are for the Penguins. And you look around, this is not a unique to the Canucks situation right now. Every other top team in the Western Conference is scuffling. So the Canucks have been in this little rut, this kind of mini rut, which is still 500 hockey, by the way. And if that's your low point on the season over a a 10 or 12 game sample, that's not too bad. No, it's not. No no one has really gained ground on them because everyone else is kind of right in that same boat with them. Since the uh, All-Star break, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, So it's kind of, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like I'm making excuses because you can always play better. And look, part of being a truly elite team is finding a way to kind of fight through these doldrums and and make sure you are still picking up points at a high clip. But I think this is also just this is a feature of the of the NHL season of this stretch, this time of the NHL season. The good teams, the really good teams that are locked in, they can see the playoffs not too far away. Maybe it's just a little bit harder for them to play with that same type of desperation that a veteran team like the Penguins who are fighting for their playoff lives are going to bring. And we saw that. Like, Go back to the Minnesota game. Seattle, right? Like Those are probably the most troubling performances where you look at you know, Boston against another good team. They played really well. Winnipeg and Colorado, they lost those games, but I thought they played pretty well I, in those I didn't, games. I, I think... I don't think they played that well against Boston. They I took they, thing, really they took well. things over in for ten minutes. That's fair. They they were outside the Bruins all game long. Like Swayman wasn't even. But I don't think they sweat. got outclassed by the Bruins. No, but they were. I mean, Bruins were lucky to be up two nothing. But I I feel like and and this is sort of an interesting part of this. I feel like the Bruins game is being held up as this like great performance that doesn't really match up with the reality. In part because it's the only game they've won in the last six. You know, like. Do you you didn't think it was striking that Rick Tockett was like I we just, look tired? I, think about the tone that Rick Tockett struck last night, and contrast that with how he usually has talked about this team 
when they lose or when they perform like that. Like he was being delicate with them for the first time all season. We literally yeah, have never seen that. He wasn't being that delicate. <laughs> he was also saying like, hey, there's a lot of guys just okay. We need them to get going. Like he it wasn't going all in on them, but there was some, he some was, biting words as well. He was far more circumspect than he usually is after losses. I thought like I, I thought it was notable, especially his tone. I just think, okay, so they're they're uh one win in their last six. Right in those six games, the three performances I've liked the best are against no doubt playoff teams. Right, Winnipeg, Colorado, Boston. The three most troubling performances are against teams desperately trying to make the playoffs: yep. Minnesota, Seattle, uh, and Pittsburgh last night. And I think that's part of the story. Now, can the Canucks play better? Yeah, of course they can, and they'll need to round into form. But I also think like they're still the far and away the favorites to win the Pacific. They're going to have home ice. They still, they have bought themselves. Yeah, they're in a, to they're in a good position. Little stretches like this. I, I just don't like to see one of the slower teams in the NHL, like forecheck the Canucks defense into oblivion um, in the third period. Like they took over the game with their forecheck. And that's not a fa- That's not a team that should have enough speed to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, like there it's, it's not about the losses. It's about the hockey we're seeing be played right now. Yeah, but that's that all goes hand in hand, right? Like I think I, I'm not saying they're unlucky to be losing these games. Well, I think necessarily. I think they have been. Well, I think Winnipeg and Colorado. I think they could have won both of those games for sure, and last uh, night for I, that matter. I'd add. Um, <laughs> I'd add the Wild game. The, yeah. uh, I mean, I guess they gave up. They gave up high quality chances. Don't get me wrong, but they also like, you know, Rossi I mean, kicking one within, in and they stuff. They were within a goal late, also. Yeah, but my point is. And the game got iced on like an 18 million foot <laughs> teen header. I, the, I don't know. I, I I thought that was an unlucky performance. My point is that, yeah, the performance has dipped. But again, I don't think it's so I don't think it's unusual for a team in the Canucks position to have a dip in their performance right now. And therefore, if you are I, I, like, I am not going to extrapolate this stretch into and this tells us what's going to happen in the playoffs. Right. Because, again, I think it's just part of playing as a really good team way up in the standings with not a lot to play for in February. It's something we see consistently uh, around the NHL at this time. And as somebody texts in, Lindholm is the issue. Calgary is playing much better without him. and Vancouver is struggling. You can criticize Elias Lindholm, but Calgary is one of those teams I'm talking about. That's hyper motivated. Oh, man, if we want to stay in this playoff race, we got to win games right now. That's the exact dynamic I'm talking about. Right. There's a reason those teams surge at this time of year. And some of the other teams like the Canucks go through a little bit of a run. We've seen it. Year over year within this city, right? This is the other side of the coin. Exactly. I think you're, I think you're dead on about that. I just also had concerns again about some of the. I, I had concerns about some of what I saw, especially the forecheck, uh, and especially, you know, the inability of this team when they don't get one of those deflection goals or those unscreened rush wrist shots to put teams away. Earlier in the season, this team was putting teams away driving extra goal differential mm-hmm. with, you know, some goals that were fortunate, I thought were fortunate. You know, last night, I mean, how many chances did they have before Hoaglander got that goal on one of the best Canucks shifts of the season, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you get a power play goal from Besser in the high slot. That's that's good work. He's going to score those. You get the JT Miller overpowers Chris Letang breakaway goal. Can you think of another great A the Canucks got? Uh, Miller set up the Kev. Was that shorthanded? 
<laughs> it was. It was still a great day. It was, I guess. It was. It absolutely was. <laughs> we all knew where it was going. Well, still, it was still a great day <laughs> chance. Uh, okay, it's Wednesday, which means uh, it is time to be joined by Don Taylor and Rick Dollywall from The Crossover. You can watch them every day uh, on Check TV. Donnie and Dolly from 10 to noon. And fellas, we got our pom-poms and our foam fingers out just for you guys oh, okay. after this week. We're prepared. Oh. <laughs> Welcome to the Pom Pom Show, Very fellas. Good. How's it going? That, that was Taylor. That was Taylor, <laughs> not me. How was sensitive are you guys? It was an emotional day. That comment just uh, came out. It wasn't directed at anyone. Uh, that was Taylor, not me. Not me. That was Taylor. Donnie, Donnie, we just want to know if you're going to take accountability for running Elias Pettersson out of town. <laughs> it was his poll question. It was his poll question. Yeah. Yeah, that's not what I heard on Monday. You guys were taking group no, credit. No, no. What are you talking about? No, all three of us came up with that on, no, on It was Monday. mostly Henderson. Mostly 80% Henderson. <laughs> no, no. It was, it, it was all three of us. It was a, We were getting ripped. I'm sure you guys do, too. You're getting ripped left and right Sometimes. in our inbox. And, and I, I got a little emotional. It wasn't directed at anybody. Oh, no. It was directed at Halford and Bruff. <laughs> well done uh, there, Jamie. Well done. It's all, don't worry. It's all love. It's all in uh, <laughs> in, in good fun. No. Look, I, I'm on your guys' side. Believe awesome. me. You're, you're, it's, of course we're going to be talking about Elise I'm Peterson. not. I'm team positive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course oh, yeah. we're going to be That's talking about him. It's a big deal. Of course. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be bizarre not to talk about it when one of the team's best players is, is out, of con- or out of contract after the year, right? Yeah, and then and then the comment from Elliot on Saturday it didn't last long. Oh, it, it was what like a ten second uh, a comment, and um, we noticed it. We 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 jumped on it, and uh, it it wasn't ten seconds anymore. It 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 kind of blew up. But we thought, you know, yeah, J T. Miller had a great game on on Saturday, and is he the Canucks MVP? That was a thought for a poll question. But I don't know this this. This Pedersen thing we just thought was a little more juicy, and it turned out we were right. You were correct yeah, on that one. Guess what, guys? Yeah. Yeah, but guys, it was driven by in, in national stories. It, it wasn't driven by us. I mean, look, no. we're, we're in a Canadian market. We're, we're not going to talk about it. Star player hasn't signed, and, and, you know, it came up, and we discussed it. That's what we do. And you guys are heavy Canucks over there. So are we. So it's, uh, it, it popped up. We talked about it. Teams are calling. They're doing their homework. Canucks have to do their homework in case uh, this goes south. You got to protect yourself, guys. No different than the Bo Horvat situation. They couldn't get a deal done, so they had to move them. The, the story has died down a bit, but it can. It has the potential to explode at any minute. That's for sure. How do you look at it, Rick? In terms of, do you think it will in any way impact how the club approaches March eighth and the NHL trade deadline? No, they're, they, they can't. They're, they're first in the NHL. Well, they're tied. Uh, they need that guy in the lineup down the stretch. And I mean, in terms you, you of know, the, the other stuff they do, Rick. Up. Like, will it influence yeah. other moves that uh, they make? I'm not hearing that. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I mean, they're in on big names, small names. Um, they, they can't worry about Patterson's contract the next eight, nine days. They, if they want to improve this team, like, I'm – Definitely hearing they're in on Gensel. Like, the asking price is going to be massive. Um, you can re-sign the player later, I guess, or you can do a sign-and-trade. But you've already given up a first-round pick for Lindholm. Mm-hmm. Can you really afford to give up another first? I, Donnie and I talk about the prospect pool was so weak for so many years. Mm. You got Willander and LeCaramacchi, but after that, you know, it's skimpy. 
you know, one of these nights, go look at uh, the Abbotsford when they post their roster for a game and go look up the middle of the ice. You know, the, 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 uh, the only centerman I see there that's young and potential to move up is Sasan. And, you know, he, he, he's, he's trending towards bottom six, not top six. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's skimpy out there, right? So, I don't know. I'm not uh, – if you're going to go after Gensel and they want a first-round pick, maybe a second, they want prospects, they want young players coming in, boy, oh, boy. And then you're going to have to give that guy eight, nine million? Wow. Gensel, Gensel, yeah, yeah. Donnie. Yeah. He's but getting gonna... back to Pedersen, yeah. like with like his contract demand. What, what do you guys think? I mean, if he wants, like Rick is talking about twelve, twelve and a half a million a year, and when I look at who's driving play, and I know Thomas, you've got stats that are way deeper than anything I can possibly understand. But you know, when I look at who's driving play out there, it's not not him right now. But 12, 12 and a half, and what, what does that mean? And what does that mean for Hughes going, going down the road? Uh, I know that's a ways away, but I just, I don't want them to become the Leafs in yeah. so many ways. Yeah. But I just, they're so top heavy. Maybe that's where a lot of, uh, a lot of my uh, opinion comes from. I mean, you still have Quinn Hughes for three more years after this one on an absolute bargain. Yeah. Right? So for me, I look at it and look, is Miller, the last two weeks, has Miller been better than Pedersen? Yeah, for sure. But oh, who's going to yeah. be like, if I'm betting on month? who I think is going to be better next season, I'm still taking Elias Pettersson. And, you know, I, look, I'd love to have him on, you know, a $9 million salary, but I've said this a bunch of times on this show, like the yeah. choice, unfortunately, it's not have him at $9 million or have him at $12 million. It's probably have him at $12 million or don't have him. You know what I mean? And so you'd always love for your star players to be cheaper, but it's really hard for me to see how losing Elias Pettersson gets them closer to winning the Stanley Cup. Like I get what you're saying. It's it's the it's a cap you know, league. You got to be yeah. efficient. All of that is true, but you need guys like Elias Pettersson too. Well, I'd also mention you don't want to be the Leafs in terms of winning in the playoffs, but you do want to be the Leafs in terms of <laughs> retaining your elite players as a Canadian team, right? That that's the team that's done it. Yeah. Every other Canadian team has struggled, yep. with the exception of Edmonton, right? Edmonton and Toronto. I mean, you might not like the yeah, way the teams look, yeah. but do you want to keep your star players? Because those teams have figured out how to do it where the rest of the teams in this country haven't necessarily. Let me write that down. That's a good point. We'll use it on tomorrow's show. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. It, it's, it, it's very good. We had an interesting point made today in our Delaney's Okay Tire Line we inbox. I don't know if I can say that. I'm but supposed I will. to say no. It's the okay. 650 uh, 650 Dunbar Lumber text line. <laughs> On this show, it's the Dunbar Lumber. There, oh. there you go. Oh. Barra got furious with me for allowing you to yeah, say he, it last time, Taylor. He was dressed down, actually. Yeah. I got a like a like Rick really? Tockett wow. benching JT oh. Miller. Yeah, it was pretty intense. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Accountability oh, oh. at the 650 yeah, look, studio. Look, look where. Look where JT is now. Exactly. It, it exactly. all uh, <laughs> it all worked out. Now I forgot what I was. I had great. Oh no, the, uh, great we had point. somebody text and they, they they were saying how interesting it is that JT Miller is playing fabulous hockey right now. Arguably the is his best stretch of the season. I don't know if there's an argument. And they're not they're not playing as well in terms of in terms of mm. results. What five five and two since since the All Star break when uh, PD Petter, PD is Bruff calls him. Uh, when Elias Pettersson was playing well, and you know J.T. Miller was you know playing well, but not like he is now, they were winning. That's just interesting. You want to get both of them going, and Canuck fans uh, want to see that, and maybe you go from there when you talk about contracts. Well, I think it's special teams, Donnie. I mean, here here's the fact: like this team's played 500 hockey since the All Star break. The, they're outscoring yep. the opposition with both Miller and Pettersson on the ice over that stretch of games. Like there have been points in this season where the top six wasn't 
necessarily carrying the mustard where it was like the Garland line or the power play or Thatcher Demko or the team's mm. overall defensive play. But since the All-Star break, it's actually been Vancouver's best players who've been at their best with Miller really leading the way. Clubs outscored the opposition 11-1 to with him on the ice since the All-Star break. The problem is uh, they're bleeding on the fourth line. Their, their bottom six isn't you know, winning them games the way it was earlier in the year, and their special teams have taken a, a big step back. That That's the... That's the recipe right now for, you know, the middest stretch of the Canucks season. Yeah. So does this all point to Dakota Joshua? And, I mean, <clears throat> really seems to coincide with that third line being broken up because, mm-hmm. because of injury. Yeah. There's, there, there's something there. There and, is. You know, I mean, and you think about it, early, earlier in the season or in, the pre- in, in training camp, he was criticized by Tockett for conditioning. Not, and, and look where he is now. We thought he might get beat out for a job by Stanika. Yeah, they uh, they're two four and one without Joshua, guys, and that third line has just been. I mean, it's decimated. It's not even mm-hmm. not even two thirds of the line is together anymore. So I mean, and the lines have been in a blender lately. Look, he went Saturday to four centers, Lindholm at center. I didn't mind that. I like being strong up the middle of the ice, but. Um, the wingers, McKeev. You you can talk about McKeev till you're blue in the face. The guys, what is it now? Twenty eight, twenty nine games. December seventeenth. Yeah, I think they're uh, they got him at twenty. You can't have a winger in the top six that hasn't scored in twenty nine games. I mean, that's unheard of. And Rick, you know, when they made the Lindholm deal and they sent out Andre Kuzmenko, obviously they were really excited to get Lindholm. But I think part of it was. Kuzmenko just wasn't a fit, right? So not only are you getting in a good player, you're right. kind of removing a, a problem. Look, Mikheyev, he has the injury situation, and he's still defensively responsible, so I don't think he's like Kuzmenko-type uh, player from Tockett's perspective. But could no. you see something like that happening with Mikheyev, where they feel like, you know what, we have to move this salary before the deadline to allow us to go get an impact player? As you said, it's tough to carry him in the top six right now. Well, how, how are you going to move a guy making 4-7 hasn't scored in 29 games? Who's lining up for that? You know, that's a tough you might contract have to, pay. to move. You might have to pay, right? I mean, but if, if you want to, well, so. McKay would still have value, I'm pretty sure. But but uh, from teams looking to buy low on a guy that they think is maybe compromised for health reasons, he, a lot of respect around the league for his defensive acumen. That that remains true despite his struggles this season. Yeah, I see, but I mean, right now, you know, he he's in a he's in a rut offensively, big time. No question. I mean. And you can have that guy in your top six. You can't. Well, the Joshua thing, this is where this sort of gets interesting to me. It's only been 12 games, but we're at that time of year where there's a lot happening. You know, on ice, off ice, Pedersen discussions, a trade deadline approaching, mm-hmm. Rutherford and Alvin weighing whether to go more all in than they already have trading, you know, a, a, a solid B prospect and a first-round pick in addition to some window dressing for Eli- Elias Lindholm. Um if this team, like, if this team misses Joshua this much, right? If if losing Joshua mm. makes mm. them look this small up front, uh, if the Pittsburgh Penguins are turning the game against them on the forecheck, like, is it is it worth parting with a 2025 first or a Volander quality prospect to further yeah. supplement this group? Like, isn't there a depends it, what you get back? Would you in any way connect this team playing some sort of middling hockey? with influencing what this team should do in terms of continuing to buy aggressively? I'm not going to let six games flip. Well, what it's I 12. Think of yeah, okay, but mm-hmm. 
I'm still yeah. like, as I was saying, we were, we were talking about this before you guys came on and you look around the Western conference, there's a lot of good teams scuffling. Right. And I think a lot of teams are just kind of in the February doldrums. Oh, yes. You're locked Lucky into a Canucks. playoff spot. You're playing against teams that are desperate, like Pittsburgh, Minnesota, Seattle. These stretches are going to happen. If anything, okay, maybe you're seeing some deficiencies you want to take care of. I think it's, telling you where to target on the roster not mm. saying ah no don't don't trade like i still think this is a go for it all in type of year for the canucks even with these uh these recent struggles what do you guys think um i, I like the point that uh, thomas made if you're depending on nothing against the code of joshua mm. but if he's the you know if he's the kingpin here the linchpin here and what does that say about your roster do you really want to go for it if that's your guy is, is does that scream uh, cup contender the other thing that might be in, in at play here, we talked about this on our show. I know, I know you guys were watching. <laughs> uh, we talked about this on our show earlier. That uh, what about mindset? You know, everybody talks about how much the game is. So, so much of it is is mental. And we went through this as a as media members, the team, fan base back in the 2011 era, where you you. You know, you know what's what, what you're looking ahead to April. That's that mm. that's that's what you're looking ahead mm. to. You know, there's a chance some special things could happen there. And I wonder if that's if that's seeped into the Canucks mindset uh, right now, and if it's if it's at all affecting uh, performance. You know, I'm a, I'm a fan of intangibles, things like that. You know, I, I think there's some weight in that. I, I just wonder if that's seeped into this. And Rick Tockett, you could tell in his in his post game press conferences, especially after a loss. I get the feeling he feels that might be happening. Mm. The guys are sleepy, and they and they have and they. I know they're tired. They were on the road. That, that, that that's going to change in March with the nine game homestand. Yep. But I just wonder if that's if that's seeped into their mindset right now, and if if it's if it's a problem. Well, you can write that down for your show. <laughs> yeah, right, we'll use that down. tomorrow uh, or later. Next in the show. segment. Our Next show segment. just started. Yeah. Uh, one of the things you know to your point. Oh, that's true. Oh yeah. Okay, that's good, right. good. Good point. <laughs> to your point, Donnie, about uh, the energy and it flagging. Yeah. You know, we've heard talk it say like even referencing calling up Arshdeep Baines, calling up Jet Wu. Sometimes you bring somebody up from Abbotsford, even just getting them in practice yeah. with the team, it can Push. bring this kind of jolt of energy at a time when it might be flagging for the rest of the group. And for Baines, look, he's got in and he's earned himself some ice time. But Rick. I'll, I'll put this to you. Do you think there's other candidates in Abbotsford, young players that the team could look to bring up and maybe inject some energy into the lineup uh, down the stretch here? Well, or, or really old ones. Old ones, yeah. Uh, the oh, usual yeah. suspects, Pod Colson's down there, Atu Ratu's down there. And like I mentioned, this Sasan kid, they're high on him uh, up the middle of the ice in Abbotsford. And you know they brought Jet Wu up. But look, uh, the way it's being portrayed to me right now is they are working the phones hard. You know, whether it's a big name or, a, you know, a not-so-big name, uh, they're trying to see if they can address uh, help in this squad, not through Abbotsford right now, but uh, get some help here, um, whether it be in the top six, bottom six. You know, uh, I said this on the show today, the problem the Canucks are having, the guys they're going after, the Dallas Stars yeah. are going after, the Oilers are going after. We had a Pittsburgh writer on yesterday who said that the number one team he thinks that's the most aggressive on Gensel is Edmonton. You know, Vegas is going to be in on Gensel. You know that. So the Canucks have this problem where all the other powerhouse teams in the West are going after the same guys. Like, you know, so they're going to have to get creative here. And the, the team best set up to do something is, is Dallas. They've got a lot of their first, second-round picks available yeah. if they so choose them. But uh, that's a problem. I'm not hearing so much Abbotsford right now, Jamie. I'm hearing that they're, 
you know, yeah, they're 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 not leaving any rock unturned uh, here. They're they're trying to see if they can get help help at the deadline. Big but, time. But but Rick, I I think that Jamie and Thomas want to hear about the guy in the suite last night <laughs> in Abbotsford. <laughs> Phil yeah. Kessel. Phil Kessel. He's living. He's having he a great time there. in Abbotsford. He was watching the Abbey game. Rick, uh, Rick was upset because because Kessel had a Yankees hat on. He had a Yankees hat on. Uh, my good pal there, Tommy Two. Uh, no, hold is it, Tommy? Tommy Tuto. No, Tommy Kipps. That the guy on Twitter, Tommy Kipps. Good guy. He, he uh, put a picture of uh, Kessel out on Twitter last night. Mm. Hey, he, sorry, he Tom, I was Tommy just asking Kipps. if Tommy Kipps, Kipps Tommy was one of Drance's burners, but I, I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't have burners. Come on. Hey, don't get me going on Drance's burners. I, I know I Drance's burners. Don't get me going on Drance and Twitter. I'll be here for six hours. Okay, listen. Uh, <laughs> like, Kessel, like Charlie from he Always watched- Sunny. <laughs> Connecting the dots, right? <laughs> you know what? I've never. Everybody tells me that's a great show. What? I haven't watched Always Sunny. Oh, you love it, Donnie. What, what show? It's oh, all yeah, sunny okay. in Philadelphia. I, I know. I've had several people say I've got to watch. Yeah. Can I? Can I talk? Okay. Oh. So Kessel, Danny DeVito. <laughs> we know Danny DeVito, but not that one. Okay. <laughs> can I go? Go. Okay. Look at this. Uh, How many parsecs Kessel, is it going to uh, take for him to do the Kessel run? Yeah. <laughs> hey, if you quit jumping in, uh, Thomas, I, I can get a word in edgewise. Sorry. Okay, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. No, don't be a bitch. See what I got to do. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Think of the people. Hey, think listen, of the people. My parking. I get my parking's going to run no, out. No one I cares. Order. I got to get going. You got the cash. No, we're at the end of this. Think the of the end. people hey, listening. Donnie, I don't want a ninety-dollar uh, parking ticket. I got to go. I got to go. I gotta <laughs> Rick, go. we're going to be we're going to be on on the edge of our seats, wondering about Phil Kessel. All all show now. What's the latest? No, never. There's nothing going on. I fully expect him to sign. There's nothing going on. Well, that's something going. Going on. That's something going yeah. on. All right. You what know, if I get a parking ticket, Drance? You're paying for it. Yeah. You and your hackle cackle the way you laugh there. <laughs> All right. We got to wrap this up, fellas. Yeah, we got to wrap this Taj, up. 1944. Yeah. Beautiful, guys. Beautiful. <laughs> All right, Rick, go run to your parking lot. Maybe we'll uh, we'll find some pom-poms for you guys as well. 30, at some I got point. three minutes. Okay. All right, pom-poms. Thanks for I doing got three this. minutes. We'll talk next yeah. week, guys. Bye, boys. Hey, thanks, guys. It's Don Taylor, Rick Tollywell. Uh, you can watch him every day, 10 to noon, uh, Monday to Friday, on Check TV, <laughs> part of Donnie and Dolly. That was my favorite one yet. Oh, boy. Yeah, it got spicy towards there, <laughs> towards the end there. I hope I didn't offend uh, you were, Donnie you were, with the pom-poms. When I, when I did the final interruption, you were like, oh. <laughs> you almost scared him. You almost scared him from doing the update. And then it was, there's nothing going on. <laughs> I'm really glad we pushed through. <laughs> what we a pushed blast. through and got that update from Rick Dolly. Those guys are the best. Although I don't think that uh, that Phil Kessel has just been like hanging out in Abbotsford for two weeks for fun. Gonna gonna guess that's probably not was on his itinerary. He's that, gotten uh, really good at the um at the go-karts at the Castle yeah. Fun Park, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Killing it. Somebody just suggested that we should call Rick back while he's driving just to annoy him some more on the phone. I'll wait, I'll wait till he's on his walk. <laughs> that later actually this afternoon. would be pretty funny. Uh, all right, we'll take a break here. We got lots more to get into. 650, 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Again, thanks to uh, Don Taylor and Rick Dollywall for joining us as they do every week on the crossover. You'll be able to uh, catch that on Sportsnet's YouTube channel shortly. And there was a visual component with the pom poms uh, to this week's episode. So you'll really want to go check that out uh, on YouTube. But we'll be back with more Canucks talk here on Sportsnet 650. 
Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Vic Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Canucks Talk here, Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Thomas Drance, live from the Kintech studio. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street or Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Jason Bukla will join us, as he always does on Wednesdays at 1. Looking forward to chatting uh, with Jason, but uh, we got an open segment before that coming off uh, a fantastic crossover with Rick Dollywall and Don Taylor. As somebody texted in, I love the crossover. A frustrated Dollywall is the best. And we have the perf- the, the Dollywall frustrating machine here in Thomas Trance. So we are well set up to deliver frustrated Dollywall content here uh, during the crossover. Um, okay, uh, we should get into the game a little bit more from last night. Now, hold on. I want. I have something I want to get off my chest here. We should talk about JT Miller. Sure. Another really good performance. I love that you saw Thomas about to speak, no, no, no. and you're like, no, 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 no. Well, no. he knows if I'd started yeah. it six minutes later, he's getting <laughs> exactly. word of That's just that's just wisdom. Sometimes you just got to do it, man. Yeah, I'll get your back against Dom. Um, <laughs> JT Miller had a great game last night. Yeah, All he right. was awesome. He was awesome. He's making plays. You hear the JT Miller chants. Really, really cool moment. We did, but JT, yeah, didn't. JT unfortunately did not. Um, but really cool moment. At Rogers Arena. I would love to be able to, I would love for the fans, for the fan base to be able to enjoy that fully and appreciate these JT Miller performances without trying to turn it into something else. And that's something else specifically is, you know, we do not need to make every game, every shift, every play a referendum on this like Miller versus PD Why? battle question. Why not? They're two really, really good players. Has JT Miller been better this month? Yes, he definitely has. Have there been long stretches in their tenure on the Canucks together where Pedersen has been better? Of course there have. That happens when you have two awesome players on your team. And, you know, I was thinking about this because one refrain we've heard a lot this season when talking about Elias Pedersen's future is, hey, guys, like, just enjoy this season. Come on. Why are you getting distracted by this? Just enjoy how well this team is playing. Now, look, I think between the games, talking about the uncertain future of one of the team's best players, I think that's very interesting. I think it's fun. I think it's newsworthy, certainly. But I do agree with the just enjoy this take in one major respect. It's during the games. When you're watching the games, you know the whole point of hockey, the games, those things they play that determine if your team is good or bad and if they have a successful season. And it just seems right now, instead of just kind of basking and how great it is to have a player, a unique player like JT Miller performing at the top of his game, having these types of performances, instead of enjoying that, it seems like a lot of people are kind of straining to fit anything that happens on the ice into this like contrived Miller versus Pedersen debate. And look, fans can fan any way they want. I understand that. But I'm just saying... It, it doesn't have to be this way. There are there are better ways. There are other ways that we can all go about this. The Canucks are blessed to have two incredible forwards having really, really productive seasons. Miller's been a beast recently. Let's enjoy that. Let's enjoy 
a guy at the top of his game, I actually don't think it's fair to Miller to only ever use him as a foil for another player. Like, oh, Miller made this incredible play. Petey would never do that. Why not? Why can't you just enjoy what JT Miller is doing? Because it's fun. And Canucks fans have been here before. Remember, like, the height of the Roberto Luongo-Corey Schneider goalie controversy? Every goal one of them let in turned to, uh, well, Luongo never would have let that in. Or, you know, Schneider's positioning. Exactly. He made that so there's precedent, it's Jamie. It's excruciating. There's precedent. It's excruciating is what it is. What this market does. So, really quickly, beyond the fan reaction, right? Because the fan reaction is individual. You know what I mean? Like, I get what you're saying, mm-hmm. and I agree with you. I think you're making a, a sharp point. I think Dom's not. Just, <laughs> just for fun. <laughs> but, but Dom has a killer Bitcoin point. I don't know if it'll be on our show or another show yeah, though. No, but we, don't you worry, you brought Dom, it up. Dom's you gonna have a fire the, take at some point. The today. crypto keeper over here, um, <laughs> to the moon. <laughs> we. So, the thing that I'd caution against because I have no problem with fans who want to. Like, choose a side, choose a favorite player. Um, you know, I, I, oh, I think oh, you, you should have just, a favorite player. Yeah. But it's just bizarre to me how it can only be viewed through that lens. How they're, how they're defined like in opposition. Yeah, how they can only be defined in opposition to each other specifically. Like, not even other great players around the league or anything. It's just each other. They become like this duo where any compliment to one of them is perceived as a slight against the other or vice versa. And it's just bizarre to me. And like... Look, I get a lot of this is fueled by the uncertainty around Pedersen's contract, right? Mm-hmm. So that leads to a certain amount of backlash against the player. And when a player like JT Miller is, you know, having this type of month right alongside that, I understand. I'm not blaming anyone. I'm not saying anyone's being a bad fan. It's just, hey, the just enjoy this thing. Like, yeah, it is possible. It does not always have to be a negative side of the coin relating to Elias Pedersen every time JT Miller does something awesome. Fair enough. The thing that I'd bring up, though, is just beware of the intoxicating power of narrative, right? So we we see this with players who are really, really good over multiple years, where they'll have these spike seasons where it feels like everything is going in for them, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's basically what's going on. I mean, not just with JT Miller, with a lot of Canucks players all at once, but certainly with JT Miller, right? So last season, you think about what the conversation was around JT Miller, right? You think about where where the production was at. Mm-hmm. On-ice shooting percentage was sub-7, 6.93, okay? This year, 14.21. That's the highest in the NHL, right? Since the All-Star break, that number, like his personal shooting clip's like 23%. He's he's rocking a ninety eight percent on ice save percentage and a and a fifteen percent on ice shooting percentage, right? <clears throat> when the bounces are in your favor to that extent, things things start to become compelling. Things like, you know, um, this guy's the heartbeat of the team, mm-hmm. far more indispensable than Pedersen. Look, he fell down, which is a ridiculous thing, right? And and last year it was kind of the opposite take, right? It was like. Miller's not even good. <laughs> Pedersen's unbelievable, right? Which is also wrong, just just in the extreme. Like, beware the compelling, intoxicating power of, of narrative in, in shaping opinion here. 
Um, ultimately, in over large samples, players don't necessarily have perfect control. There are some sh- shot quality drivers. There are some guys who meaningfully drive percentages. Pedersen, by the way, is probably one of them. JT Miller is very probably not, right? And if you don't believe me that this is sometimes outside the control of players, I, I present you this as evidence. Last season, among NHL players that played at least 500 minutes, five on five, guess who had the highest on ice shooting percentage? Elias Patterson? Ilya Mikheyev! <laughs> In the entire league! Yeah. Ilya Mikheyev, he hasn't scored since mid-December. Like, come on, you know? So, there isn't a gap... Or, or there is a gap between, in my view anyway, Miller and Pedersen's overall value to a hockey team. It favors Pedersen today. It'll favor Pedersen by a wider margin going forward. Smart point you made out for the crossover. And don't, don't get too distracted, in my view anyway, by like short-term runs of fortune. Like JT Miller's a good player. He was a good player last year when nothing was going his way. Mm-hmm. He's a good player this year when everything's going his way. Right, he's super creative. He's extremely unique because of his physical prowess, his you know face-off ability. Mm-hmm. Like he he cleaned Crosby's clock until the end game last night in the face-off circle. He handled that matchup brilliantly. Um, you know his shorthanded play hasn't been great all year, but it, it's trended in a really positive direction. And that play that that play that he awesome. made to, to to Siegel Latang and go the other way that was beautiful, like brilliant. Um, poetry in motion, a rare combination of power and will. And we're seeing that on an every night basis. But don't get too sucked in, in my view anyway, to like, don't get too sucked into the compelling narrative presented to us at the moment by the results, especially when it's out of line with what we've seen generally over like the large sample of, of these players' careers. So, and I would, I would so, also- so, what? After everything that Thomas just said. Oh, my God, Dom. What you're you're really saying is JT Miller is bigger. <laughs> All right. You said it, not me. Uh, okay. Volatility, yeah, highs and lows. Volatility. Still a very good baseline around 35,000. So, so PD is like a really sensible ETF then in this Yes, exactly. Fund? He's yeah. the S&P 500. He's, he's the long-term ETF. It's like, look, it's, it might not be sexy, but it's going to be productive. That's interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you fill that one out. You a can workshop. There's a take there, though. There yeah. is definitely a take there. You know what? Which just popped into my mind is you know the concept of uh, negative polarization in politics. Yep. Right. I feel like some people are being like negatively polarized against Elias Pettersson. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, and I think they were though last year with JT Miller. I think so too. Yeah. But uh, and I guess because we always heard this. Um, you know, the Canucks, there's been a lot of years where they either were at the bottom of the standings or looked like they might be, and there was the whole, hey, it's actually better for them to lose games. And you know, one of the things fans say in response is, yeah, but it's a bummer to watch your team and root for them to lose games. But I feel like even now with the team in first place, there's a segment of fans that are like hate-watching Elias Pettersson, that are like, oh, look, oh, he screwed up again. Oh, and they're like, what? That's their primary emotion watching these games right now is looking for things to be mad at Elias Pettersson about. Let me remind you, this team is still probably going to win their division. <laughs> and guess what? Elias Pettersson's going to have a wicked hot stretch of games at some point this year, whether it's in the regular season or the playoffs. You do not have to buy into this idea that he's a bum who's not doing anything out there just because he hasn't signed a contract. Look, if he leaves, if he decides he wants out, 
The knives are going to come out, and I get it. And I'm not going to be sitting here saying, how dare you get mad at Elias Pettersson. But right now, they've got JT Miller, who's playing like a beast. They've got Elias Pettersson, who's a top 10 center in the league. They're going to the playoffs. Not every game has to be a referendum on which one is better, on which on who's a true leader, on who's the real driver of this team. They just have two awesome centers uh, uh, at the top of their lineup. Also, um, if you're holding a referendum on who's the true driver of this team, guess what? It's Quinn Hughes. Yes, Stop that's it. also correct. Stop it. Like, who's the most impact? And by the way, who's the true driver? Guess what? Teams, every line needs a driver. Like, mm. no team is driven by one guy alone. And and if you are, you know, you're the Colorado Avalanche, and I worry that you have, you know, too many guys and not enough dudes, right? But it, fundamentally, who makes the largest impact on this team's five-on-five -five game and where the game is played? Who has the most gravity? It's Quinn Hughes. Uh, imagine Carvin Pedersen. He's on pace for 100 points still. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> you know uh, anyway again beware the compelling power of narrative this, yeah. this is what it comes down to and my point is just no no but this is what just, it comes this is what it comes down to for me man yeah since the all-star break last 12 games okay miller on with miller on the ice the connects have outscored their opponents by 10 five on five amazing stuff right save percentage with miller on the ice 98.3 or 0.983 right nothing is getting in when Miller's on the ice. Is that partly a credit to his defensive game? We can't say it's not, but no one sustains that. Like, that's not a mm -hmm. skill to mm -hmm. be able to be like, and when I step on the ice, the, our goalie becomes a brick wall. The contrast with Pedersen couldn't be sharper here. It, 0.861. It's a huge gap. How much of this perception gap right now is that anytime there's a mistake made with Miller on the ice, it's saved? How much of it is the emotional reaction that Anytime there's a Pedersen mistake on the ice right now, it's it's 1980s goaltending. And that's the other thing. Don't like commit yourself in your bones to one player is the golden boy who can do no wrong, and the other one. It's like you remember like no. Goofus and Gallant. They're both good <laughs> you know players I mean? because at some point Pedersen's going to be on a heater, and at some point Miller might have a stretch where things aren't going in for him. That happens. That happens to the best players in the game, of which both of these guys are a member of that club. Right. And it's going to happen. You don't need to convince yourself otherwise just because Pedersen's had, you know, a less noticeable few weeks here. Well, and I, I do think this also speaks to the changing nature of how we consume sports. And and by the way, I'm about to, you know, out myself like I'm as guilty of this as anyone else. Right. But in an era of gambling and fantasy sports mm -hmm. and Re really you like gambling yeah, and, and endless sports talk radio and podcasts and, and such, all these things that like define my personality. Right. There's a sense of an ongoing conversation around a team for mm -hmm. hardcore fans that's also predicated on being correct, right? Like a, an ongoing running argument. And I think that can cause us to miss some nuance, right? So what's going to happen is you're right. At some point, this is going to flip. You're going to have like a, a, you know, a tough Miller giveaway that's costly, the same game that Pedersen has a has a big game or a big run of games, and you're going to have the exact opposite talking points, and they're going to be just as silly. Like, the truth of this is far, far more nuanced, somewhere in the middle. Yeah. The truth of who these players are, and, and here's the fact of it. This team's lucky to have two centermen like this. That's, like, that's, that's the big picture thing for me. It's like, this is, it's a phenomenal phenomenal place to be if they're if they're going to get to where they want to go to like the contrast in styles right both players being at the top of their game mm -hmm. like that's going to be essential they're going to need this team's going nowhere with only one going they're going to need both right? well i uh donnie brought up that point 
uh, via the inbox that shall not be named on their show, right? Somebody saying, hey, Miller's having this beastly performance and the Canucks have one win in their last six. And I don't think that's like that to me doesn't necessarily prove anything about Miller's value as a player. No, but it does prove what you just said, which is that they need multiple elite players going right. It has like ultimately. And if you're starting to look ahead and like, hey, they'll be fine without Elias Pettersson because Miller's the true heartbeat of this team. You need these two elite players. You absolute and Quinn Hughes and Thatcher Demko. That's how good teams get it done. So like Patterson's going to have his moment in the sun. He better. And and look, if he doesn't <laughs> and they go out in the first round, we'll be having a very different conversation here. I understand that. But this team needs both of them to be clicking at a certain point. Yeah. Although why are they not winning games of late? Bleeding in the bottom six, bleeding on special teams. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, they're going to need both guys to be on their game, but they're going to be. like These are excellent players. You know, if the Canucks go out in round one, I, I feel relatively confident saying that it's, you know, it might may even be because Pedersen or Miller lose their matchup. Mm-hmm. Like, it may even be, be partly because of the performance of, say, their line or that they couldn't get it done on the power play. But a big part of it, too, is going to be whether or not this team has supported them. You know what I mean? Like, Pedersen's four most common line mates this year, five on five. Brock Besser, Sam Lafferty, Ilya Mikheyev, Andre Kuzmenko. Like I don't know what I don't know what else to say about this. Like that's not that's not sufficient, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, Brock's got to be fourth on that list, I would think. Third, third, Lafferty, Lafferty, yeah, okay. But but uh, you know, point being, Hoaglander's going to get up there eventually. Yep. And you know, even with Miller, he's uh, he's been attached to Besser all season, but. I mean, that line's run through a ton of different candidates, including guys who are, you know, pretty clearly fourth-line caliber players. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm i never here for the blame the best players mm. for for the, the losses in a team game. Um, anyway, I, I want to know. Hold on. I just want to read this one text. Sure. Um, from, it was from Ryan on the road who said, could we say big picture PD and Miller might just both be inconsistent elite players? And no. you look back over, this is our third full season doing this show. Yeah. There have been huge ups and downs in terms of perception of both players, right? Mm-hmm. Starting with like PD slumping, uh, Miller's dips in performance and composure, sure. all of that, right? But you look over those last three seasons and combined, they're probably going to have like three 100-point campaigns in there plus a 99-point season from JT Miller plus another point-per-game season in there of like the, the five of the six individual seasons from the two of them. So there have been these wild swings, but you take it in total over the last three years and they've both just been really relentlessly productive as well. There's like a 30-game sample where Pedersen really struggled after the wrist injury in that 2021-2022 campaign. And other than that, whether his production is vacillated or not, his two-way form has been relentlessly consistent. Mm -hmm. And and JT Miller's been consistent within the confines of individual seasons. But, you know, it's been like he was elite in 1920. Uh, he was middle six caliber in 2021. He was elite in 21, 20, uh, 22. Then he was, you know, second line caliber in 22, 23. And now he's elite again. I, I mean, that's in terms of the two way impact, Miller's vacillated on a year over year basis in a way that Pedersen hasn't aside from 30 games. So I, I don't, I don't buy that they're. First of all, I hate the concept of consistency in hockey. It's impossible to be mm. consistent in hockey unless you're Austin Matthews or, or Alex Ovechkin or Connor McDavid. But also, I, I just don't think that label applies neatly to either. It's a little more complicated. And it's also, we got to take a break here. But, uh, you know, again, we'll get to the end of the season and you sort 
in the NHL scoring over the last three years, and they're both going to be exceptionally high, right? Mm-hmm. So even if there's inconsistencies and a bit of a roller coaster, the end result is, you know, two of the most productive players in the NHL. Okay, keep texting in. 650. 650 is the Dunbar Lover text line. Uh, Jason Bukala from Sportsnet, former NHL scout, will join us next here on Canucks Talk, Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. It's Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the work site. Find them together online at DLE. AMC.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? The hotline is brought to you by Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. The first call, the only call. We now go to the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning hotline, where we are joined by our pal from Sportsnet's NHL coverage and a former NHL scout. He is Jason Bukala. Jason, thanks for doing this as always, man. How are you? No problem, guys. Fantastic. How are you doing? Uh, we're doing well. So one win in the last six for the Canucks. How concerned or not concerned are you by this stretch for them? Uh, well, it's the start of a new segment. Um, I really liked their start last night. So, um, you know, let, let me let me answer the question a little bit more directly. Um marginally concerned, I guess I would say at this point in time. I mean, I wasn't as concerned before, but... Um, again, last night, I, I, I kind of let – so Pittsburgh, in the first period especially, I didn't think that they could even compete with Vancouver, you know, track meet style. Like um, uh, the, the, the goal that um, – oh, my God. Which one was it, your answer? The, uh, oh, the Hoaglander goal. I, I texted your answer right after. I said, yeah, that, might all be over. Five on, that might be the best five-on-five five shift I've seen all year long, like across the board in the NHL. So anyways, what I'm trying to say is that I really liked how they were wearing them down. They were prepared to play. They started on time. And then the second period ran into some penalty trouble. And um, I'm more concerned in little pockets of the of the roster right now. And I wasn't picking on uh, uh, Mihaev uh, before, but I'm starting to pick on him a little bit more now because from a distance, um, and I don't know if you guys agree, but it, it, it feels to me like the coaching staff is – so he's got nine assists since like the middle of December, hasn't scored a goal since before Christmas time. And now it looks like the coaching staff is starting to uh, lose a little bit of the faith in him defensively as well. Like his penalty minutes or penalty kill minutes are down. Um, I, I noticed a little bit of a stink guy. I think it was a game in Seattle where they got scored on shorthanded and, and talk gave it to him coming to the bench. And so there's little pockets of the, of the roster that are, are concerning me. Uh, but then again, you know, guys like Holander are, are such a great story that uh, that kind of props up some of the disappointment. But I know this is a long answer, but the, the thing of it is that it's a grind. It's a long year, and uh, there's going to be some ebbs and flows. But this can't continue. This next 10-game segment, I'm backing it out to five now because my last 10-game segment, I was I was not impressed. Like, not on balance, I wasn't impressed. This can't become a, a habit in the next five. Books, one thing that sort of stunned me, um, you know, this team has punched above their weight in terms of their ability to break the puck out cleanly. 
given their defensive personnel. I mean, we know that what Hughes and Hironic can do, but with the other pairs on the ice, this team's still been getting moving north-south on, on a reliable uh, basis without sort of feeding the opposition's forecheck. As the game went on last night, whether it was Juleson, whether it was Zadorov, I thought that flipped. Like, I thought Pittsburgh, who aren't the fastest team, not the most dynamic or creative, like, forecheck and, and punish team, really started to take over the game uh, with their forecheck, which is something we just haven't seen very much. Is is that something to worry about as the stakes ramp up here for the Canucks? You know, I'm glad you brought it up because I was actually uh, throwing my pillow at the TV a few times. I felt <laughs> like uh, I felt like the Zadorovs especially skated pucks into no man's land. And what I mean by that is like if he had a lane and he he, he had somewhere to go on the breakout, if there was no option to let the puck and he, he got the edge on his own exit, he was just skating it into, like, nowhere. Like, the neutral zone, like, the play would die on the vine. Like, the check would be there or whatever the case. And then down low, especially off face-offs, guys, I don't know if you know this or not, but when, when a draw was going to the half wall in the defensive zone, Myers was guilty of this more than once. Myers was really guilty of this um, in the second period on one of the penalty kills. Like, we win a clean draw to the wall, and he goes to his backhand, um, I guess because he couldn't sh- get out there quick enough on his forehand to go around, you know, around the boards, whatever the case may be, everything was just a step off, and then there was no space. And you know, to your point, it's Pittsburgh. We're not talking about the fastest team in the league. Like I love Evgeny Malkin; he's probably a Hall of Famer, but he's not. This, he's just a. He's just. He's just a. He's not even close to what he used to be, right? And and they're not a fast club, guys. And so there's. That, that was concerning last night for me. Poor Jolson. I mean, let's be honest. So Jolson's giving everything he has every night. Like, that's a guy that's punched above his weight this year, blocks a shot in the small of his back. I mean, he's done everything he possibly can. Um, but it did expose a few little things, didn't it? With, so, in response to the game last night, one change that we've seen from the Canucks at practice, uh, Jolson up with Hughes, Hironic with Zadorov. Um do you think that's a sign that Tockett just wants to spread around the mobility uh, on his back end more than anything? Probably, yeah, probably. And you know what happens, eh, guys? Like after a game like last night, even though it was an OT and you know what, but they had they had a lead, they had the game in, in, in control. You know the coaches go in there last night and they're breaking down things and they're like, oh my god. So now the conversation today is like do we have enough on the back end as trade deadline, as we creep closer and closer to trade deadline, and, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Susie because that's been like, um, you know, his injuries have kind of piled up this year. So who knows, right? We need guys for a playoff run here. So, um, you know, these conversations that were had last night and now they're kind of grasping at straws today to try and find a, a fix here, there and everywhere come playoff time. I personally wanted to see, uh, you know, Hughes and Heronic back together again. I really want to see, a shutdown pair, and I want to see a guy in the five hole that's kind of a tweener, if you will. Um, so I don't know how this is all going to play out, but but it's going to be interesting the next week to see if they say to themselves, like, you know, do we need to add another one back there? Because you're going to need seven or eight D. That's a fact. To win a Stanley Cup or to go deep in playoffs, you need at least seven, sometimes eight. 
What are you seeing from the Canucks power play right now, Jason? Because it's been a topic of a lot of conversation and a lot of uh, worry here in Vancouver. And they switched up the units in a big way, went to a kind of 1A, 1B look last night. They did get a power play goal, although Tockett said after the game, you know, it was it was kind of just okay with the man advantage. Uh, what stands out to you when you watch the Canucks operate on the power play? Well, up top on the power play, it's very efficient because those are where your most creative players are. I mean, I know that we're trying to work it into the bumper uh, for Besser there on, on the one unit, and he scored the goal last night. Kind of, it might have actually deflected off the Penguin player on the way of the net, but it doesn't matter. It was a quick release in the middle of the ice. Um, just okay. I, you know, it's and special teams are an area that down the stretch here, uh, we really have to make sure that we're cleaning things up, and it has to be above the 100 percentile uh, mark, guys. So, like, my power play's got to run at whatever it runs at. If it runs at 80, I better be at 24 or 25 on my, on my penalty kill. Like it's got to get above a hundred percent combined because teams in playoffs, they don't win playoff games. If they're, if they're chasing it on below a hundred, like you can look it up historically. I'm pretty confident in saying that. So getting back to the power play, it just looks like uh, I didn't mind their puck control. I felt like there was efficient up top. Um, but then, you know, you know, they didn't get the puck for me to the middle of the ice enough last night outside of really the Besser goal. What are your thoughts on how Elias Lindholm has fit in? Was a tough night for him last night. So uh, without without us sort of overreacting to the struggles of that third line, what was your general impression or what's your general impression been of Lindholm since the Canucks brought him in? Hot start and uh, just average since then for me personally. I actually was... Uh, um, just because I'm a freak, I was I was almost texting you. Is is Lindholm playing in the game tonight? Because mm-hmm. I like when you go to scout a game, you know you shouldn't have to look for a player, guys. Like a player should come to you. And I don't care what the role is. Like you know, it could be efficient on the penalty kill. It could be a bunch of different things. He he won some draws against Sid on his strong side, but on balance overall, um, like I need more out of this guy. And he hasn't scored a goal in, in quite some time, and he's. He's hovering around zero on the plus minus log. And um, so again, by definition, I need more out of him. Uh, by the time playoffs roll around and we get closer to playoffs, again, I always come back to the thing, like if you're not scoring a lot or if you're not in that role to score a lot, which I think he's at worst a secondary guy. So I still, I still believe I'm not, I'm not, you know, jumping off the boat here, but the rest of it better, you better come to me in other areas. And that might be efficient on the F1 on the four check. It's going to be winning all those key draws and everything else. Uh, for me personally, on balance, average at best. And one of the things we saw last night or the last couple of games actually was uh, they've gone with Miller, PD, Lindholm down the middle. And, you know, I can understand that being attractive for the coaching staff. You have that strength at the, the most important forward position. But for a player like Lindholm, does he kind of need a dynamic offensive player like Miller or Pedersen yeah. alongside of at this point? I, I think he does. I think that Pedersen's the guy personally. Like uh, I think that they can have some synergy there. Um, before we get too far ahead of ourselves here, how great was JT Miller last night? I have he was to say, awesome. like that was, that was one of my takeaways. Like, oh my god, this guy is that. Uh, I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's played any faster than he did last night. But anyways, I digress. Um, I personally want to load up two lines. That's that's my my my, my case here. I think Suter in the three. You know, you might say it's not ideal. Like, you can kind of play with it, right, through your strategic assignments in-game. Um, but, you know, Suter skates plenty quick enough. Um, we need to get – we need to be a dual threat at even strength. 
um, especially on the road, come the hardest games of the year, come the hardest time of the year. I want to give my opposition all they can handle, checking-wise, with at least six forwards uh, who are going to be really pushing the offense. So for me personally, I'd like to see Lindholm in the two and just kind of uh, rejig this a little bit. Uh, Elias Patterson is under a lot of scrutiny right now, to say the least, here in Vancouver, yeah. Jason. I know I'm, I'm sure you've heard all of the, the talk and the, the fretting about uh, what his contractual future looks like. But even just in-game, you know, he's under the microscope. Look, he's still putting up points. He's still on pace for over 100 points. Is he making the same type of shift-to-shift impact, though, in your eyes? No, I, I think that he's honestly hit the wall a little bit here, too, in this last segment. I really do. And then, I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it didn't feel to me like he tracked with the puck on his stick very often last night. Like, he had touches, guys, but I didn't ever feel like he was pushing it through the neutral zone or um, working off the cycle as a threat like the way we know he can. Like, it was it was sporadic at best, so there wasn't uh, it wasn't consistent, you know, the way that he's playing fits in with, with the exact same way that it fits in with the results of the group over the last, uh, well, now 11 games, really, for me, in, in what I've been breaking down here, like religiously breaking down. And um, he's got to be better. I think he will be better. I don't think there's any. But he's also potentially got to learn to eliminate the outside noise, like the contractual. you got the trade deadline coming up. Like, I've heard some absolute asinine things out there, and I've read them. Like, I don't know what hockey people write about – Oh well, you should maybe consider trading Pedersen. To, you know, at the, are you serious? Just, you can well, Of course not. We've been waiting for what feels like an eternity to go on a run in playoffs in Vancouver, and we're going to do that. I hope he stays. I hope that they get this done. I don't know what the number is going to look like, but listen, he has a job to do, and he's still making seven four. He can be better. He knows he can be better. It's going to be fine. But let's be honest. Let's just be be, be clear. These are professional athletes. He's been average for about you know, uh, quite a segment here and, and he can be better. With. So one thing that was interesting to me, this third line that they played last night, Baines with Lindholm and Garland um, really struggled, like really struggled in terms of their five on five game. And, you know, for me though, the, the biggest issue is despite that, like it was still Miller taking the, hard faceoffs. Like it was still Miller taking the high leverage defensive zone or offensive zone draws. It was still JT battling against Sidney Crosby. Now, obviously that worked for JT. He played phenomenal hockey, but if you're going to have a player of Lindholm's caliber further down the lineup, I'd at least like it to earn easier sledding for your star guy, right? I I agree with that. And here's what happens. Um coaches are creatures of habit. They want they want absolutely to win. Like, it's all been about process in Vancouver. We all agree with that, right? We, we now identify what a Vancouver Canuck is. We understand that this group uh, toes the rope in a certain way when they're, on, when they're playing their best hockey, et cetera, et cetera. We, we're, we're fine that way. It's been a fantastic season. But coaches, when, like, they, they still ride the hot hand, if you will. Even on, on nights that Miller hasn't been as good as he was last night, I've even noticed that a little bit. I personally believe that you've got to, especially on Lindholm's strong side, you've got to put it in his head that we're relying on you to win that draw on your strong side. Even if it means it's a defensive zone draw and you change after the draw, you know, depending hopefully in the first period and the third period, obviously the second period with the line change, it's a different strategy. But you get what I'm saying. Like if you're not scoring and you're not doing some other things, you know that this is your responsibility. You know this is your hard matchup. You know this is your job. And I love Baines. Like, I love the story and whatever else. But, guys, um, 
I feel like he's kind of chasing it a little bit. You know, he's trying so hard to get to accomplish things, and he's working, he's competing, he's all over the place. But, you know, it's the NHL at the hardest time of year, and that group really didn't have any synergy um, offensively for me anyways. On Bain specifically, as you mentioned, you know, the work rate is there. Does it look like, you know, because sometimes you see a player come up and there's such a burst of energy and adrenaline getting the taste of NHL action. Is that kind of what you're seeing with Archie Baines, that it might not last? Or do you think there's a more sustainable NHL player there right now? <sighs> Truthfully, I don't know if it's sustainable right now in season for the, the rest of this year. I think he's like an ace, you know, come playoff time. That's mm-hmm. that, that, the guy, okay? Um you know, Dakota Joshua, let's not let's not discount him being out of the lineup, what the look of this group looks like without him in the lineup. Like that last game in Chicago, um, you know, before when he got hurt, I believe, in the fight, you know, he like boy, they, they look fantastic that third line. Him and Garland had a lot going on, et cetera. So um for Baines specifically, I, I feel like um, you know, he's trying real hard to to play to his identity. Obviously he's had a great deal of success in the American League offensively, but the learning curve and the adaptability at this time of year in the best league in the world, it's a, it's a heavy, heavy lift guys. So he's an ace in the playoffs for me, but you know, let's take the positives out of it in the off season and regroup. Uh, we'll get there. And, and the three of us will have the same discussion in the off season as we kind of look at, see what the, the roster might, uh, might look like next year, because by that time, you know, there's going to be some contracts that have been signed or, or walked out the door and, and he's going to be likely needed at his value. Less than 10 days till the deadline now, Books. Let me give you a minute. We're going to try multiple choice on the radio. We'll see if this works. Oh, I, t- I tell you the Canucks can only have one of the following three things. What are you taking? One, middle six forward with size can kill penalties. Two, puck moving, let's say four slash five right-handed defensemen. Second line forward undersized. Okay, this, the third one's out right away. Uh, <laughs> so that's not happening. Bye bye, um, Frank Fatrano. Sorry, I, I, sorry, Jake Gensel. <laughs> I guess that's yeah, top line. line. He's a top guess that's line. top line. Come okay, on. fine. Come top on. line, undersized, because that's who I was yeah. trying to. Oh, we went to top line. So now yeah. you're changing the multiple. I'm, I am. I'm changing the, the third. I'm changing the third one to top line to appropriately capture so that I get Gensel, not Vetrano, as the as the uh, template for the third one. I do love Frank the Tank, though. He's yeah, really wreck a puck. Um, I mean, Gensel, that, that's, that's, that's a different type of breed right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but not being healthy would, I'd have to get the medical is my, we already know that we'd all, I'd love to have Gensel. That's my, that's my short answer. Um, I would personally, uh, like not having Joshua in the lineup. I see how we could utilize a two way bigger body somewhere in the middle. Um, and then back on the back end guys, like, I think we need another guy like after last night and maybe we revisit this next week right now, based on how I feel, load up the top two lines, wait for Joshua to come back. Baines becomes a, uh, an ace uh, suitor and you know, whatever on the bottom, I think there's enough there. DJ Seffi can create a stir if he has to, I think we need another defenseman on the back end. Um, and ideally it would be a puck two way puck mover who can slide into heavy minutes and in, in key matchups. So I, I'd love to add a Hannafin. I really would love to add a Hannafin. Um, is it going to be maybe someone like Tanev? Okay, then I'd still take that because at least he plays to a certain identity. And what I watched last night, I would even suggest you he's more capable moving a puck than what I saw last night. Okay, and just you know, on the perspective of what they should be doing ahead of the deadline, because I, I, I find the Canucks 
they're in an interesting, interesting position here, right? They've already given up significant assets for Elias Lindholm. Since then, they've scuffled a little bit. You know, if you were in this uh, this hockey ops department, right, and you're having these meetings, do teams maybe get a little spooked, right? Like, oh, maybe we shouldn't go and spend more assets to improve this team if we're scuffling? Or do you look at it as, hey, we're able now to identify the places where we really do need help, and that's going to make us even more aggressive ahead of the deadline? Uh, well, I, they're going to be more aggressive. That's definitely uh, your your front office's mo. They're going to do whatever it takes here to to push it along a little bit more. Um, I'm I still think that when we have our our best lineup uh, healthy or as close to healthy as possible, that we're we're a top notch team. So um, would I go add again? You know, I'm sitting here and I'm you know, as soon as you gave me the multiple choice, I wish I, honestly, I wish we could get a sealer and a walker, you know, the two of them mm. together. I wish we could just get sealer by himself. even. Um, so, you know, do you go get, I would take this even, I would go, I would take a Vitrano with a sealer. Like I would actually do that because, you know, now you're, you're kind of you're on balance. You're improving. You're a harder team. You're a better team still. Like you're adding an extra layer because, you know, Vitrano is going to score power play goals and do some other things. But, um, yeah, it's. I think they're going to be aggressive. Um, I don't know how much more aggressive we can be, but uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna do all my due diligence. I'm gonna empty the uh, empty the tank, making it happen. And we're very close, guys. Like this is very close to being an opportunity to go on a run. And we owe it not only to the group in the room, but let's be honest, we owe it to our fan base, don't we? Like they've put up with a lot, so let's make sure we're doing our work. And just before we let you go, Jason, I did want to ask you about uh, Lakaramaki in Sweden. I don't know if you've had a chance to to catch up on many of his games recently, but he's on another heater. Seven goals in seven games. Is it just kind of more of the same from Lakaramaki? I know the most recent one was uh, a pretty lethal snipe. Uh, what have you seen from him recently? So I've been in and out a little bit on that only because getting ready for trade deadline, but sure. I did break down a few of his games because I, I think that his name's going to get floating around by both teams. It's just a continuation of the same. So uh, a sniper whose uh, confidence is where it needs to be, he's very much as close to what he was in his draft year, which was ripping pucks from all over the place, beating goalies from range. But more importantly, guys, he's also finding pucks more and more in traffic. He's not a super heavy guy, but he's battling enough to extend a play or find a loose puck, a chip off the half wall. Um, but listen, rip pucks like can this kid shoot the puck i haven't seen that last highly i'm gonna look it up now but i I'm, I'm guarantee that it's exactly this, uh, more of the same coming right out of world juniors mvp he just continues to uh keep going so good news good for him yeah he might be something he's he's crushing it books yeah like he's probably their most improved prospect guys if oh. he could ever give out an award like that mm, yep. like from development camp to development camp That'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Like, who's our most improved prospect? You give them all homework to go away, have a good year, blah blah blah. They all come back, and then you give them something for that, you know. And and he'd be, he'd fit the bill for me for that. I like it, uh, Jason. Always appreciate. It. We've only got one more hit before the trade deadline. Uh, really excited. We'll uh, we'll chat with you next week. Awesome, guys. Hang in there. We're going to be all right, but all right. we're struggling right now. That's right. That is Jason Bugla from Sportsnet's NHL coverage. Uh, and, of course, a former NHL scout joining us, as he always does here on Wednesdays, to get the latest. Yeah, LeCaramacki, as, uh, as Book said, that dude can shoot the puck. We're, we're going to see a lot of players who fit that description coming up, right? Like, it's a 
the Matthews effect and just the general kind of advances in shooting technique, but uh, he looks like part of that new wave of players. I'm not going to put him in that category. Obviously, that's an incredibly no, high bar, but, but he's it's a, a unique, real legit weapon. He's a unique he shooter, and he fires with zero conscience, and I, I mm -hmm. like that attribute. There's a there's a predictability that comes with that, especially if you get him with the right you know, puck carrier playmaking. and playmaker, yeah. right? Yeah. Because I, I do think there's some dual threat limitations. Um, but that's not going to matter if he's legitimately and regularly beating goalies the way that he is absolutely picking his teeth with them in the SHL at the moment. All right, we'll take a break here. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Still a chance to get your thoughts in, uh, but we'll wrap up the show with the whiteboard on the other side, of course, because we did the crossover earlier in the show. So we'll uh, get you everything you need to know about the Canucks, including some new defense pairing combinations that we can dig into uh, on the other side. Whiteboard coming up here on Sportsnet 650.